This episode of the TZR Podcast is brought to you by audibletrial.com slash TZR. Hey Shane, do you ever mm. read books? Not as often as I should. I know, right? And you know what could change that? What's that? Audibletrial.com slash TZR. If you get audibletrial.com slash TZR, if you go to that website and sign up for a free 15-day trial, you will get, and I shit you not, 150,000 different books under all different types of genres you can ever imagine all at your fingertips on whatever dice, uh, whatever device you have, whatever device you want. Like, uh, say, maybe you have like a Kindle Fire. Nobody has a Kindle Fire. Or maybe you have a smartphone. Everyone has a smartphone. So you can listen to any of the books that you can ever, ever want, all of your textbooks that I know you read on your spare time, at your fingertips. And just listen to them in the car, when you're sleeping, uh, on the train, in the plane. I was going to say, that sounds so easy. I could do it with my eyes closed. Doesn't it? Anyway, yeah. again, if you want to support this podcast, Shane, sign up for an audibletrial.com <laughs> slash TZR. Wait, sign up for an audible trial today at audibletrial.com slash TZR. There we go. Welcome, everyone, to the TZR Podcast, episode 82. I am your host, returning to the podcast. Returning. Justin Skirbo. Epic return. Today, joining me on this episode of TZR South is Shane Weaver. I'm first this time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also joined by Justin Chow. Flying all the way down to TZR South headquarters, only about a 40-minute drive away. East. East. <laughs> Not even south. And then two of our members here are actually in Canada, which is super north. But, you know, that's fine. <laughs> and then finally, I'm joined by Frank Nosich. Daddy's back, you bitches! Wow. <laughs> I, I, one of these days I'm going to place one of these quotes. I promise you I will. Yeah. Just Guys, to overdub fitting. my voice with whatever quote I pull off from whatever video game I'm playing. Yeah. One day. One day. One day. I'll be cool enough to remember. Guys, <laughs> it is wonderful to be back. I've had a very trying couple of weeks um, of, of health-related nonsense, but I'm all good, and I'm ready to get back to work. Back, back to work. Get back to you guys. Get back to my favorite people in the world and talk about some video games. Please. If you'll have me. If you'll have me. Oh, nah. I'm so happy to have you back. a question? <laughs> Thanks, guys. Well, to, <laughs> let, to get us started off, uh, I want to know what everybody's playing. Ooh. So, Frank, tell us what kind of archaic old PC game you are playing <laughs> this week. Right now, I'm playing nothing. That's a lie. I'm playing nothing. You haven't played I've... anything? No, no, no. I have played. I'm not playing anything right now. I finished Mass Effect Andromeda. Could this? How how was the end of Mass Effect Andromeda? Like like oh. as an experience as a okay. whole, what did that look Are like? Are you asking? Okay, as an experience as a whole, I mean, I enjoyed my time. It took me seventy one hours to finish it, sixty nine hours, and I finished a good eighty seven percent of the game. Okay. The main story is maybe maybe twelve, thirteen of those hours. Oh wow! Yeah, hmm. the main story is only like eight missions long. And then it's set up so that when you finish the main quest, it's sort of like, all right, back in the field, there's work to do based on the themes of just you being in this foreign galaxy and you have to explore and settle it. Yeah, you gotta colonize. But, yeah, exactly. But the side content was fairly okay. 
Like, I remember when I, okay, when I wrote the review, I stated in it, the side quests are tangible in the sense that they're not just, like, fetch quests entirely. You get some decent benefits out of it, and you totally do, but after a while, it just becomes busy work. Like, some of them having to jump from planet to planet and watch the loading screen go from there to there, it, it gets tiring. Yeah. I but mean... as an overall experience, I mean, I didn't mind it. It's okay. Okay. Um, I mean, that, I that's a bit that. of a far cry from, you know, the outstanding, you know, Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3, but... Uh... No, it is, yeah. And that's a total shame. Like, I still think the open-world exploration thing works so much better for Mass Effect than it does Dragon Age. Yeah. I didn't feel totally out of place with it, but this is also the first Bioware game I have ever played in my life where I enjoyed the gameplay way more than the story. Yeah. Because some of the writing was, at its very best, utterly mediocre. Wow, and at its worst, just not very good at all. That would make uh, that would make uh, Mike Potts very upset, and I'm sure yeah. he's glad that he uh, oh, he missed that one. It didn't handle lore very well. There's a lot of places where I kind of scratched my head and thought like that this isn't sort of like the same kind of Mass Effect universe I was expecting or thought I knew, because it just kind of like mishandled some of the lore. Um, the side quests, while they felt okay, a lot of them, some like they, they were dressed very well, but at their core, they did kind of get a bit samey with the gameplay loop of scan this, do this, and honestly, as well designed, well not well designed, as how pretty the levels may look, a lot of them are corridors that are extended and make you run around corners for no other reason than to make that corridor seem longer. Lame. Like, for instance, huh. at the very end mission, instead of running straight in a line against a bridge, you run straight, and there's a bridge that's out. And your device tells you, this bridge is out, you can't go this way. So you take a left turn, walk for maybe, like, 50 meters, take a right turn, walk right again, and then you're on the other side of that bridge that didn't work. Without any kind of environmental puzzle, nothing like that. Computers mm. are located where they're so easy to just access and progress the story. Um... And I felt, honestly, that the choice and consequence just wasn't there. Like, the things you did did not impact this game very well whatsoever. Huh. They might impact the next one, maybe, but didn't get it out of this one. It sounds like wishful thinking, but... Uh... Yeah, well, I, it is wishful thinking. That's exactly what it is, but... Yeah, that's kind of sad. Yeah, so I finished that. Finished that. I finished Bayonetta. And beyond that, I just haven't picked up a new game to play yet. I've been taking the last couple of days just, like, vegging and getting caught up on work and what have you, but... Mm. Yeah, this last this last few weeks have just been put into finishing Mass Effect, so I can say I finished it before I uninstalled it. There's yeah. been no other like distractions in your life lately. Work stuff. Work just work stuff. stuff. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was in Photoshop all day, and I made this really kick-ass like '80s retro grid that took me three days to do because I just couldn't figure out how to freaking do it. But I did that now. Okay. That's not video games. Cool. So progressing those life skills, playing the game of life. There you go. Love it. There you go. Absolutely love it. <laughs> Shane, what about you, man? What are you playing of late? Not as much as I'd like. Uh, I did start up a new group game with uh, my cousin uh, and and such, and kind of regretting it. But hey, uh, whatever. Uh, it's We Happy Few. Okay. I don't know if anyone ever checked that one out. I think uh, I think Ben played that back yeah, no. at uh, PAX East Him and I 2016. Yeah. It was a it was a really it, it was an interesting game, but it also like. Cre like weirdly like crept on that one border of like I have a huge fear of like being in a mental institution everybody thinks you're crazy but you're actually not crazy like I have a, well, see, a big fear of that and that game like hit that pretty hard 
what what did they have you play? Did they did you have they have you played like the intro demo? Yeah, the intro demo. So you start in this yeah. thing and you you learn about the drug and uh, you eventually like get out of the um, which mall of the of the like cellar or Area. whatever. Yeah. And uh, then you get to walk around and get beat up by policemen who uh, try to force drugs down your throat so you can be happy. Well, see, I'm I don't know. I, we started and had that really intriguing beginning where you know obviously you've got all these crazies around you who think you're the crazy mm-hmm. and you're just trying to get out of there you get onto the surface and now the world is just ridiculously boring really like it, yeah. i it's it's empty so i got to play the cool part stolen. yeah you did you totally got the cool part and i played the cool part too which was the first five minutes yeah and now the game is a barren wasteland on top. Now, I've I've only heard you know whispers about this game afterwards, but is it true that it's it's like an ambient survival game? It's, yeah, it's like an arc arc survival whatever it kind makes, of thing. It makes me feel like it's a stylized. I guess I'll say it doesn't even feel that stylized, but stylized um, stalker game. Ah, in, stalker in your way. Well, like, I'm literally going around rummaging through trash cans trying to find sewing kits, pieces of scrap, and to, so I can sew together new outfits so I blend in better with certain societies. And I know it sounds cool, but it's actually really frustrating. Oh, and, well, that's sad. Um, Damn. Because I remember talking like, to one of the developers on that on that game, and, like, they, they put it quite a fair amount of, like, thought, in the, especially around, like, the psychology <laughs> around it. Like you can ever... tell that there's a lot of ambition and idea, ideas particularly have been put into this game. Yeah. There's so many cool things that you can do and that you have to watch for. Mm-hmm. Uh, maintaining your health at, or like your, uh, your hunger, your thirst, and your sleep. Just like looking after all those aspects. But um, in execution, it's all sloppy. It's all uh-huh. like also glitchy. Like I know it's early access, but it's still early access. And you can tell. <laughs> yeah, huh. that's... So. I mean, I guess that's why we haven't really heard much about it afterwards, because it, it got a lot of press when it, like, pre-release, like, early access, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of it gave, good media around it. Uh, it gave the impression that it was almost Bioshock-esque. Yeah, yeah, totally. you're going yeah, to be in totally. this confined space with a bunch of, in a society that's that's totally, like, brainwashed, yeah. but um, not not at all. Not, huh. Hmm. Well, that's a huge so, bummer. Yeah, yeah I mean, a bit of a letdown, but... I definitely wasn't gonna pick that up anytime soon. Yeah. Huh. Well, is it, so you're just uh, so that's like your your group game, right? I feel like you guys usually tend to play like retro stuff or just kind of like something random. But uh, yeah, interesting game to try out. Uh, one uh, in particular, my cousin was curious about it, so I was like, yeah, sure, let's check it out. I've heard things. Cool. Not enough things, but I've heard things. Things. They're not yeah. good things. things. They're not bad things, but they are things indeed. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay, so that and uh, and Persona was that what you said before? Well, if you, yeah. I mean, I've been making my, I've been chipping away at Persona Five, but it's been slow progress. Like when I first got the game, I gave it a long weekend and just like got sunk into like thirty or forty hours in one weekend. Yeah, was that your first weekend of doing that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah. was, and my first Persona. So oh, okay. wow. that combined was just like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm I can you know, relate. really hungry down. But Yeah, I mean, there's a point in the game, and I'm sure you're feeling it now, where you're just kind of like, all right, I'm ready to get to the end. I'm ready for the plot to unfold. And now I'm, I'm already 70 hours in. It. 
And it's still not unfolding yet. This is like literally what's been plaguing me, like for the last like week or so. Like I've I've literally been immobile, like you know, unable to do anything physical. So I'm like, okay, let me like try to play games, and like I I would lean on Persona Five, and it's just like at a certain point, it like I was so in love with the game. I was so in love with the game at the start of it. I fucking love the characters, the style, everything. But at a certain point, the story just becomes so, like, drab and, like, uninteresting that I'm just like, fuck, like, how am I still playing this game? And it's at the point where it's like, now I'm 90-something hours deep into this game and I'm like, like, what the, I'm like, I can't, I can't just not play anymore. You know what I mean? I have a million other games that I could be playing, but I can't just leave this at 90 hours unbeaten you know what i mean i feel like the point at which you might have felt that it's drab is because you actually ended up taking like a short break at like the worst time like that that entire like piece like uh, no spoilers i'm not gonna go into spoilers but there's a moment in the game where there's like a a turn with some of the characters and you're just like wait that's odd right oh right and it's not that it feels wrong (laughs) right it doesn't feel like contrived doesn't seem it feel like it's just like you know, like, off the cuff, like, I'm going to throw this in there just for the hell of the story, but if you take a point at which you're, you're, like, experiencing one thing, then you take a break, and then you experience this next thing, you're like, this wasn't the game that I was playing before, you know? Yeah. Um, but there is a point at which, like, the story itself, like, I'm not sure if you guys are huge anime buffs, but I kind of am, and I absolutely loved Death Note, and there's a very, like, strong Death Note vibe coming from the storyline, and it's, it's, like, it's cool because it's, like, you can almost, what's the word? kind of like uh divided into like genres of like novels right like uh, it's like a drama slash mystery type of overarching plot and then there's of course like the mixed you know like uh like life like uh what is that slice of life slash uh mm-hmm. comedy mm-hmm. pieces to it too yeah 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 but uh yeah so anyway yeah. as you're saying <laughs> Yeah, Persona, uh, I don't know. It, it was like... You gotta get through it, man. Well, it's like, it, it, in certain animes, there's always these, like, story arcs that, like, continue to grab you and, like, and like twist the story a little bit and pull you back in and get you excited and whatever. And I feel like the, the time at which I started to feel the burnout was, like... Like, I, I started... Like, enough characters were folded into the story that I was like, okay, this is, like, a healthy amount to juggle. And yeah. any time a new character was introduced, they were introducing kind of, like, a, a little twist and a little weirdness was going on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it made me anxious. Like, oh, they're getting too close to what's going on. I wonder what's going to happen. You know what I mean? But then at a certain point, it's just, like, they just keep piling on more characters. And I'm just like, I don't even give a shit about who these people are. Like, I don't care about your problems. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's just like it became really a- difficult for me to to really care and I feel like I feel like the section at which that I started experiencing that I think I'm at the tail end of it now. I think I'm finally at a point where it's going to pick back up and hit that like spike of climax right before, you know, the resolution. But like it's you it's been rough. The best part of this game is that you think you know what the climax is leading to, but you like mm there's something there. Okay. And there's a reason why you're going through all this stuff. It's not necessarily introduce a bunch of, like, you know, fluff characters just so that you have more of quantity-wise. Like, not quality, but just quantity-wise of stuff. Yeah. But there is a point to where everything that does tie in, I would say, kind of, like, kind of neatly in the first, like, 60-ish hours of the game. And you're at the point of where, uh, of where mm. like, things start to really get... Like, start to pick up the pace real fast. Like, I feel like maybe 
and this might not be true, but maybe there's like they like crafted it so that it does feel like kind of repetition, uh, repetitious mm-hmm. for a repetitious. few like 10 to 20 to 30 to 40 to 50 to 60 hours. And then after that, they're like, oh, but wait. And then they just turn up the heat. I don't know. Yeah. They just go crazy. It does get like really insane pretty fast. And uh, they do do a good job of explaining it. And yeah. know what I think in particular, or, like the point in the story, which I know has just kind of uh, come off the heels for, for you because I've just kind of finished that myself. Um, and I are basically, I think, Jackson part. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's when it's probably the most quote unquote like filler portion of the entire game Agreed. is what we just got through. And the most visual novel esque like oh yeah portion where oh, yeah. you just happen X, like just yeah. getting through. You need to have this so. uh, this thing happen in order for it to be called an anime. Like any anime that calls it considers itself an anime has to have some type of beach scene for some reason. Everybody goes I, to the beach, I don't know why, but they do it. And it needs to happen, so Yeah. But like, like high school comedies. Yeah, I mean, more that's, or less. That's what the game is, basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Frank, I mean, okay, given... I know you're, like, a PC gamer, but does a game like Persona 5 actually, like, intrigue you at all? Oh, absolutely. We talked about this on the last TZR South, okay. where I was asking questions about Persona specifically. And, yeah, it totally... If it came out on PC, I would probably go out of my way to pick it up, probably on a sale, because I'm cheap like that. Right, but, right. But, yeah, I'd absolutely want... like. I like JRPGs, and the fact that this is this is kind of sold to me as one uh, JRPG that's set in a high school or, or like a high school comedy sort of anime style, which is something else that I really like. Yeah, and it's one of those games where sort of choices matter, matter, and narrative paths unfold in front of you based on decisions you make. Mm-hmm. This game sounds like it's right up my alley. Yeah, the only problem is it's just not on the platform that I play. I mean, but, I'm yeah. surprised. You, you like you don't even you don't have a PS3. Um, I, I, I he's a PC gamer, day, man. but <laughs> but uh, I can play Persona Four, um, in some manner of lovely Completely tinkering that I can legal do on my computer. Means. Yeah, 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 totally, <laughs> entirely totally legal, of course. Totally gray, totally gray. Let's call it gray. Right, obviously, but, obviously, yeah, clearly. I mean, but uh, no, uh, it's I would love to check it out. I think I'm going to try and make some time to check it out. But as always, I have to squeeze into my backlog. Witcher's yeah. next. And it, Witcher's next. Me, they're, they're daunting. Oh my god, Witcher! Yeah. You're gonna yeah. die. What are <laughs> so you thinking? Like, that is a I mistake. Ju- <laughs> I I just left one big open world action game. I refuse to call it a role playing game because it's not a role playing game. But yeah. I just left one giant like seventy hour open world game experience. I need a palate cleanser in between, and then I want to jump into The Witcher. Totally. You need like a nice like arcade racer or something. <laughs> Uh-huh. Or either that or a first-person shooter. There you go. I, there you I go. just reinstalled Half-Life because it's been a very long time since I played that. So if I you might revisit that. Half-Life, there's a it's like there's a definite feel of like this game's old. But don't forget who you're talking to. That means I was gonna say that is old man Frank. You're right. Be more what am I talking about? What am I talking about? I don't even know. So chat, what what have you been playing? Um. All right. Well, 132 hours and Shane. There was at least. Three or so of those weekends where I dumped those hours into the into the Persona Five. Persona Five was the game, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, I did finally complete it. Yeah. Uh, immediately afterwards, I went onto Steam and searched for dating sim games because I realized that maybe <laughs> there's something there that I actually like, or maybe it's actually just like a like a like an explanation or not an explanation, but an illustration, a portrayal of my current state of living. So that's why I've seen I mean, you playing Honey Pop. Listen, all right, you're not supposed to. <laughs> well, I thought I hit that. 
God first damn. of all, I will defend Honeypot until the day I die. Oh, oh that's my god! Freaking great name. Well, great game. Great name. <laughs> it's a great name too. Honeypop is a great name. Yeah. Yes. No, yeah. it's a good game. As for a match board game, it's pretty solid. Doesn't honey, isn't Honeypot <laughs> synonymous with like catfishing? Like, Honeypot is yes. Honey. Yeah. I don't know. So if you set up a honeypot, it's, yeah. you're putting out, like, something to get stuck in. Right. Yeah. 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 Anyway. So, like, yeah. Anyway, go on. <laughs> regardless, regardless. So I did finish Persona 5, thank God, and uh, it did hit me, I would say, probably around where you guys are right now in that game, where I'm just kind of like, you know what? I uh, already have a girlfriend, and I'm not going to cheat on her, so I'm just going to beeline through the game. And that beeline lasted for another, like, 50 hours. Like, straight up. Oh, I'm going to put this out there. I'm 100%, like... Like, I thought that I was going to be loyal in this game. I'm not going to be loyal. You're not going to do game, it? The game actively disincentivizes you to being loyal no, no, to no. one girl. You can, you can friend zone people. So you can rank 9 and 10 all the girls and still be alone at the end of the game. I, there, there were certain characters that I straight up could not rank 10 without romancing them. Mm-mm. It's not true. Alright, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I looked it up. Maybe I also, <laughs> immediately after searching on Steam for all those other dating sim games that don't quite fancy my interest, was looking up all the rank 9 and 10s of every girl, because I was like, am I going to play this again? Maybe eventually, but not right now. Um, and I was like, well, what would my life be like if I, you know, romanced Makoto, or romanced uh, Futaba, or whoever these other anime girls are? And then, you know, you get like a, a feel for things. It's like, Anne... I ended up going out with I ended up going with Anne. I did, and uh, she at first I thought was gonna be you know like kind of cool like you know she's just like a normal girl. But uh, later on throughout the game, I started to like it's not resentment or anything like that. But there's like there's like a I, I know I got really Regret. attached to these characters. But there was like a moment where I'm just like when she would talk, I'd just be like, oh god, Anne, shut up. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't hate her face. I just hate her voice. <laughs> oh my god, dude, Listen, this is terrible. Back up. No, that's I'm not so what it was. But like playing this game, just kind of looking at the screen, it's like this is who I chose to spend the rest of my time here. I mean, she's talking about like marriage. I'm not sure if I'm ready for that. I'm only a 16 year old high school student. Come on, come on. You guys chose oh too god. quick. Anyway, uh, there definitely is like a weird sense of like Futaba feels like the like the younger sister kind of, but then Mikados yeah. feels like. Uh, you know, eventually she's going to move away and it's going to be, like, too difficult for you guys because she's going to pursue, like, education in her own, like, career, which is fine, you know, I'm totally down for that. But then Anne felt like she was more of, like, the, you know, like, I'm going to stay by your side and we're going to have a great life together and we'll make it through, you know, haha. But the, later on in the game, I'm just like, man, I'm so ditzy sometimes, girl, I know you're not trying to, but, yeah, can't she's deal. like the most basic girl you could have been. That's what, I'm sorry I'm yelling, <laughs> that's what Dave said, and uh, I was... At first, kind she's of like, just the obvious no. choice, you know what I mean? I won't, I won't shame you for it, but like, you know, she, she's just like the cool well, best friend to me. Here's the, the, yeah, I hear you, I hear you. And here's the other thing too: it was either her or the teacher, because the teacher also doubles up as a maid and she dresses up in a maid outfit, and I was just kind of like, so you have an option between her. a girl and a teacher who dresses up like a maid, and you didn't choose the teacher that There's... dresses up like a maid. <laughs> like, okay, this isn't a spoiler. One of the dialogue, she's... but she's, go, anyway, on. go ahead. No, no, but she's what? She's always complaining. There's like never a second she's not on screen complaining. That's a good. That's a really good point. Listen, actually, listen. <laughs> she calls you. How master realistic after a while. is the dating in this game? It's it's pretty deep. Like, do you I would go say. on drive spells when you upset some of these NPCs for a while? Because they like make you sleep on the couch. <laughs> no, luckily it's always just the honeymoon phase and like the, the getting of becoming a girlfriend. But like 
the the teacher there was like one dialogue choice which was like <laughs> she's like but you're my student and I'm your teacher like that doesn't make any sense and then one of the dialogue choices were like yeah I know or the second one was like that's the best part yeah. and I was like oh <laughs> yeah, my <I> god <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's too so, funny. Persona 5, done. Finally finished. Thinking about getting into it? Maybe, I don't know. I think uh, my next game, what I have been actually doing is um, playing uh, old Fire Emblem games on like Game Boy, like my GBA. You'll, you know what? You'll, you'll really enjoy, like, I don't know if you got through the newer uh, Fire Emblems, but if you are looking for like a dating sim game that's also a game, then... Yeah, actually, play some of the newer Fire Emblem. Yeah, I mean, Fire Emblem Conquest was amazing, and uh, I also loved it for that aspect because, God, I'm I'm so lonely. And, uh, <laughs> oh, no. and uh, oh no! But apparently, the, I mean, the new Fire Emblem is supposed to be pretty decent, so I'm thinking about picking that up. Shadows of yeah. Valera or something. I actually don't remember what it is, but there's like two sides Valentia? to it again. I think. Yeah. I think it's Shadows of Valera. Yeah. Valentia. 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 There Valencia. you go. Yeah. Anyway, that's so that's what I'm doing. Thing. But uh, skipping it over to Skirbo, what you been playing lately now that you're house-ridden? I'll, yeah, I'll keep it short just because we've got plenty of news to get into, but I've also just been drowning in Persona. I'm I'm so ready to be done with it. You sound so over it. I'm just so wait. ready to just be wait. done with it. Just I'm, wait. I'm excited for the story to pick back up, but I'm so ready to be done with it. Just wait. Um... I actually have a question that I want to pose to you guys because I'm like my thing now. So other than Persona, I'm playing Hots. I'm playing a lot of Overwatch Anniversary, which is great. Um, oh, but my I'm thing is, after I bullshit. beat Persona, I'm looking at a stack of like five different games that I can play right now. Okay, mm. and I don't know what the best course of action is. So like while I was sick, my uh, or when I went into surgery, my mom was like, "Hey, I got you a game." Uh, and I was like, okay. So she got me Horizon Zero Dawn, which Aww, I was very excited about. Cool. Um, but now, so anyway, so the stack that I'm looking at is Horizon Zero Dawn, Near Automata, uh, Kingdom Hearts 1.5, 2.5, Neo, and Dishonored 2. Okay, well, you've got lots of time for Kingdom Hearts, so don't don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, that, that yeah, I yeah. literally, that's the only one that's not even out of the plastic yet. This is like 200 hours yeah. of games. I was <laughs> going to say, like, out of all those games, I've only played Kingdom Hearts, and not even the 1.5, like the original 1 and 2, but I'd recommend those, because I love those games. Yeah, see, my, my thing is, well, like, I started Nier. I'm maybe two hours into Nier, and it's great. It is great, but I just don't know, you know, but that's that. I really want Horizon because that's like a must-play game on this console mm-hmm. for this year, and I haven't played it yet. Neo is on that list because I'm I am sure I'm like three quarters of the way through Neo, and that is like such a polar opposite kind of experience from Persona, like a slow, methodical, like mostly reading game to like hardcore action. Yeah. Um, and then Dishonored Two I have in there because I've wanted to play it forever. I feel like it's short, but it could be a really good palate cleanser. So like. What yeah. do you guys think would be the good, like the best or the next best decision to go to? Particularly because of your mentality with Persona right now, which is I'm so done with it. Let me power through. Don't jump back into Neo because you're going to jump in with that same mentality and just and get demolished. So sick of it too. Like, g- get a palate cleanser in there. Yeah, and I don't be think Neo. Or, I think uh, Nier would be good. Yeah, no, N- Nier, but I I think Nier, on the other hand, would not be that palate cleanser, because while the gameplay sort of lends itself to the sort of high-octane action, it's also high one octane. of those games that you need to, like, finish multiple times to really see the ending through. Yeah. 
And, uh, like, do you have the patience to work through that multiple times? I feel like I could. I mean, what I've played of it so far, I really, really enjoyed. And I'm a, I'm a huge sucker for, uh, what you call it, for anything by Platinum Games. So that's kind of what's making me lean towards that. Um, I also understand that it's, like, under 20 hours to, like, to complete a playthrough of, uh, of Nier. Yeah. So. Well, okay, hold on. Quick question. Did you ever beat... I am Satsuna. No. Yeah. So wow. I know somebody is really interested in knowing what happens in no, I that's, am Satsuna. That's true. That was like the last. Wow. Yeah. Maybe that's the game. I honestly didn't maybe even maybe think about Dahlia. it. <laughs> I was in Dahlia and Chat. What's up? One of our uh, one of our uh, friends on one of our actually our community manager on Discord is saying that you should, you need to get onto Ayatsuna again so she can know what happens at the end. That's true. I she was streaming that for a very long time, and I, I literally am at the end of that game. There um, are seven Ws at the end of that no. That means that it's very, very determined, <laughs> needs to know. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. What's up, Indalia? I'm so glad that you're here. Um, for everybody listening on the podcast, we're doing this actually live for the first time ever on our uh, Discord channel, discord.gg slash tzr. Um, and, uh, yeah, we are paying attention to chat, more or less, but, uh, we're going through it. Yeah. Join stuff. us on, uh, Wednesdays at 8 o'clock, uh, to participate in our, uh, our podcast. Discussions, yeah. But, uh, yeah, wow, Setsuna, that could be a really great option. And it would give me a, a great excuse to stream again. Yeah. Because, I mean, me and Ali were streaming a lot of, uh, Mario Kart, but, um, that was a really cool, like, solo game. Yeah. Maybe I'll do that. Honest. On a side note, can I just say how happy I am to see more Platinum games come to PC? Oh because God, as yeah, dude. Uh, I, I get scooped up more... Vanquish the second it came on the store. I'm yeah, fucking... so did I. So did I, and I haven't had a chance to play it yet because I want to finish Bayonetta first. It's so um, fucking cheesy, dude, but it's so good. That's exactly why I'm interested. But as like somebody who just like recently, as in like recently, maybe the last number of years, like when I first played Metal Gear Rising, like started falling in love with Platinum games. Like this is so awesome to see. Yeah, it's definitely about it's Turbo. Time. Yeah, what's up? You probably played Vanquish on the PS3, I'm going to assume, or 360. I definitely played on PS3. Well, then I have to ask, uh, when you do get around to playing some on PC, let me know which control scheme you like better, mouse and keyboard or a controller. Definitely controller. And then I'm playing on the Xbox on One controller on PC. Okay. Yeah. I haven't played mouse and keyboard. Uh, like third-person shooters and mouse and keyboard just straight up don't make sense to me. For me, I'm probably gonna have to jump in with a mouse and keyboard because it's a shooter. First person, third person doesn't matter. Yeah. If it's a third-person action game like you know Bayonetta or like Batman, that's a controller game for me. But because I have to aim, like I can't aim with the stick. Yeah, it's just yeah. strange for me. It's a it's a great game though. It's really, yeah. really cool. Shane, did you play on PS3, or are you interested in uh, getting it now? I haven't played it yet, so I was thinking before I jump in, because now, once I'm done Persona 5, I'm going to need a palate cleanser of my own, and I'm going to get through one of my shorter games, so either Rising Revengeance or uh, Vanquish, one or the other. Vanquish, is, Vanquish like, is shorter. Is like solidly shorter. under 10 hours, and it's really, yeah. really fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, highly yeah, recommend that. But right. that being said, I love the hell out of Rising Revengeance. Like, that game was so fun. Rising's great. Although, so, something to fun. keep in mind with any Platinum game, and this is, like, true across the board, like, in any in any Platinum games, the difficulty spike at the very end becomes ludicrous. Like, the final boss of any Platinum Games game is just stupid. Like, I, 
I actually found the final boss in Bayonetta easier than Jean was. The fight with okay. Jean was a thousand times harder than the final boss in Bayonetta. That with, might... against, uh, yeah, that might be an exception. Game. But, like, yeah. in Vanquish and definitely in Rising, it was just stupid. No, oh, even then in Rising, I think that the final boss in that was still easier than, um, what's his name, the Cambodian guy who jumps out at you in the fog. Oh, uh, Monsoon. Yeah, Monsoon. I thought the Monsoon fight was way harder than the Senator. Yeah. Honestly. But again, that's just me. I could be wrong, but... Alright. Alright, yeah, gentlemen, But, but yeah, they say... do have dumb difficulty spikes, so... What do you say we get into some news, everybody? Yeah, we're yeah. about 30 minutes in now, I think. Yeah. We've got a, we've got a few topics here. Um, some... Some interesting ones. But, uh, let's say... Let's, uh, jump right in. So the first piece of news that we have for this week is, uh, I don't know if you guys saw, but there was a couple of leaked photos for a potential, uh, Super Smash Bros. release on Nintendo Switch. And I was so excited for it! I, the, uh, these haven't been determined whether or not they're fake yet. Uh, they were posted up by an anonymous user, uh, user on Reddit or 4chan? Or? 4chan. 4chan. 4chan, yeah, of course it's 4chan. Um, and it basically just depicts, like, a 1v1 fight with, uh, Bowser Jr. and Mario, as well as a version of that weird sticker game from the 3DS version. Uh, like the Smash sticker... Run. Smash Run. Smash, what is it called? Smash Run, where you collect stats and boost your stats up. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, so we saw some pictures from that. Um, I honestly think that this, uh... Come this on, Smash it release, it's inevitable. I mean... Yeah, it can't be oh, yeah. fake. I mean, it, these pictures could be fake, but there's yes. definitely gonna be Smash Run. I mean, if Smash was, like, a huge success on the Wii U, I mean, they're... What they're doing right now, anyway, is bringing, like, smashing successes from... Smashing. Successes hey. from the Wii U to, to the Switch. I feel like that's inevitably going to happen. Oh, yeah. Especially because, um, you know, Sakurai said he's not making another Smash game. And I, I think it would be extremely... I don't believe that. Extremely <laughs> unlikely that they would be making a brand new Smash just for Switch. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think this that this is, is definitely yeah. very likely. I don't know if they're going to announce it at E3. If they did, it would blow the doors off the place. Um, but I, I don't know if they would only because like it, say they were to announce smash and that it was coming out in like, you know, early 2018 or something like, would that possibly take away sales from like Mario at this holiday season? I mean, I don't really know. I mean, right now the content, the content strategy, I guess it is content strategy, but yeah. more or less the strategy behind Nintendo from what we can gather is it's kind of market starvation for games. Sell as many Switches as you can. By the way, so the, the Switch is sold like in incredible amounts mm -hmm. uh, in comparison to the other consoles for the first month and on, and they're still having difficulty keeping it on the shelves. I think now it's actually starting to finally even out. But with that said, like everybody has a Switch. Not too many games. Sure, you could buy some of these like $5 games on the uh, eShop, but at the same time, everybody wants those big-name games. And I'm talking about, mm -hmm. like, Splatoon, obviously Zelda and Mario Kart. Mario Kart Arms. was, like, a proof... Yeah, Arms. proof of concept. Uh, Arms is another one. Uh, Splatoon 2, Mario Odyssey. But by the time that they're at the end of those few, right, people have some games on their Switches, but then Smash is just going to come out. And if you can play Smash, <laughs> realistically, on a 3DS, then there shouldn't be a problem with playing Smash on a tiny-ass Joy-Con controller because you don't really need that many buttons to play and still be able to play uh, well essentially like functionally play smash brothers yeah i was gonna go. say you need enough buttons to play confidently do you think, right. but, do you but, think that they would still have the gamecube adapter work on a docked switch 
Ooh, um, I don't know. I mean, the, that would be the there are two USB I, ports on the left side. It I totally could work. The way that I, Nintendo probably looks at a lot of these things is all about like, well, how can we squeeze more money out of these people? Oh, God, yeah. So you know what? There's going to be a Wii U version of those GameCube controller ports, which already exists, and there's probably going to be one for the Switch. But, uh, I mean, uh, the thing is, is like, so something else that came out really interestingly enough is they have accepted, like with the last update, I think it was actually... Well, not the last update, but an update a little while ago. The Switch is now compatible with all like Bluetooth controllers, which is kind of ridiculous. Like yeah. 8BitDo, there's like a literal like I want to say partnership, but there is a front page on the 8BitDo website. Which if you guys don't know what 8BitDo is, it's uh, it's like a very small Bluetooth controller. It's not only small ones. They have like legit replicas of the SNES cons- uh, which are SNES controllers. They have a three si- uh, not 360. An N64 controller, too. Sure. It's all Bluetooth compatible. And now they're saying that the Bluetooth compatible controllers are compatible with Nintendo Switch. So we wouldn't actually technically need one of those you know, ports if they just made a Bluetooth version of a GameCube controller. Mm. Which could yeah, be but you have to question how reliable that Bluetooth connection is going to be in a game that's, that's like true. as competitive as Smash. Because the last mm. thing you want is for your controller to lose connectivity with the console yeah. in the middle of like an intense... like. We both have 99% HP, and we're both on our last stock. Yeah. Oh, no, I can't control my character anymore. Yeah, input lag is definitely a problem. Or That's, input, yeah. like... And any well, sort of latency. Too, yeah. Like, you know. yeah. But, but with, with Smash on Switch being an inevitability, what do you guys want to see from the next Smash? Considering we kind of know it's just going to be a port with, hopefully, the features from like both Wii U and 3DS, but like, what more would... I mean, I think I definitely having a better a better online infrastructure, you know, even on yeah. Wii U, it was okay, mm. but it wasn't yeah. awesome. Um, yeah. I think being able to customize a little bit as far as, um, like, tournaments and, and, and stuff like that, like creating different matchmaking modes, I think that would be really nice. I'd be interested to see how it's going to integrate with this stupid app thing so people can, like, voice chat and, like, mm-hmm. matchmake with friends a lot easier. Yeah. Um, I think that, and then like, obviously honestly, the, if you add, like, maybe four or five new characters... Well, I was going to say, that, that that's, like, the, the godly wish, but, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know how real that might be. Hey, uh, I don't know. I mean, Sakurai says that he doesn't want to... Sakurai says that he doesn't want to make another Switch, but uh, I feel like the Masters over in Japan may say something different. It's going to be like a, a Konami and... Uh, and uh, Kojima. 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 Yeah. They're literally just going to handcuff him to his desk until he <laughs> programs new characters. You can't even talk to your own team. They're in separate well, I don't rooms. Know. Like, so, okay, but here's the thing. So Cloud's in Final Fantasy. The yeah. floodgates is open. Why not Squall? You know? Because nobody likes Why Squall anywhere yeah, it near was all, It was all based Squall. off of, uh, it, was a, it was a Smash poll where they had like a poll for everybody to like essentially like rate up their top characters and Bayonetta and, and Cloud were at the top. No, I know, but what I'm saying is that's set a precedent now, so then you, Nintendo can turn around and say, well, it's like this whole thing with, like, Solid Snake. So Solid Snake was in one of the Smash games. Yeah. You could yeah. potentially, I know you have to pay licensing fees because they don't own the rights to those characters, and you'd have to pay Konami for them. Yeah. But potentially, how cool would, would it to see, be to see a Smash game with, like, Squall hey, and man. Revolver Ocelot and Zidane in there? I'm still waiting for, <laughs> I'm still waiting, well, I mean, they have that without Ocelot. I mean, it's called Dissidia. But... <laughs> I'm still waiting for yeah, Goku, I know, man. But that's not Smash. Smash. Listen, I, I, I think oh, I think 
I love Dissidia, but Smash feels better. I mean, yeah. I mean, I maybe, maybe more... I'm trying to be a little more, like, you know, reserved with this, but I'm just glad that we got the characters that we did. Yeah. I don't think they're going to straight up Mugen yeah. <laughs> Smash Brothers, you know what I mean? But, like... First of yeah. all, I want to say it's really weird to see your roles in this situation reverse with you being the reserved one and me being the <laughs> yeah. reserved one. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Second yeah. of all, I, I'm just like I'm just saying what I'd like to see. Sure, usually a dreamy eyed one, but that's true. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm becoming more humble with uh, Nintendo recently <laughs> because everything that they're producing is so fucking good. Yeah. That it's like hard for me to be mad or ask for more because I'm so like satiated by what they're doing. So my final gonna... thing on this would just be if they were to come out with a Switch U version of this, what I would like to see, obviously first and foremost, better network better wi- uh, wireless and better like online capabilities like code, please yeah. please god make that happen second Switch would you, be eh? i would like Switch that to, i would like that to do kind of like what they're doing with like a splatoon 2 it'd be kind of interesting if they just or maybe like even even just like a mario 8 deluxe the mario kart 8 yeah deluxe. Like, and that's what i expect like a little add-ons here and there i would be happy to refresh that fran- well, franchise that game just about a little bit so i could just get back into it like Hard. Yeah, so just add some color like, variants. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's yeah. all we need. Add some more costumes to each of my characters, man. Just like a, like, like a half step in between, uh, a, a nice deluxe version. Yeah, with, like some extra frills, but nothing over the top. That's more or less what we can expect to get. Yeah, yeah. Agree, yeah. Mm-hmm. Still doesn't mean I don't want to see Squall in there. Yeah, true <laughs> that. All right, <laughs> let's dive into our next piece of news. So uh, this will be a short one, but we found out that the PlayStation 3 has ended production in Japan. It was still being produced? Ooh. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Usually consoles are produced way after the fact, um, or, or for like a really long time after new console generations come out. But it's usually once the production line ends that we can officially call like a generation like yeah. dead or I guess you know, because dying. we're kind of... I wouldn't say close, but we're pretty close to the industry, and we buy all the new stuff all the time, like, thinking of, like, man, I'm in the market for a PS3 right now, or an Xbox 360. Well, some people are. You can get PS3s oh, no, for definitely. stupid cheap now, definitely. you know what I mean? Yeah. But, um... Hey, man, I was surprised when I found out Genesis, Genesis's Genesis are still being produced Genocide. in South America regularly. What? <laughs> what? I'm serious. Like, you guys didn't know that? Like, no, what's going on? Apparently, the Sega Genesis is still being produced in South America and is still sold there. Yeah, in Brazil. What? Yeah, in Brazil, Today? that's it. Like, now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. The I mean, 16-bit I already wars one. still continue. <laughs> God, I'm such a yeah. Amazing. But uh, I thought this would just be a cool second to look back at what a, what a funny and weird time that PS3 3. was. Well, I mean... I, I love the console, I, honestly. I remember when the PS2 got like announced as you know being discontinued, mm-hmm. and I was like, mm, "Man, end of an era." But hey, you know, we're, we're moving forward. Now it's already the PS3, and I'm like, "Oh, this is weird." Yeah, <laughs> dude, I was quick? I like I can honestly say that I was the guy who showed up and paid six hundred dollars for a, a PS3 when they first came out, the big old fat one. I remember that was the best that. one. That had the integrated memory cards with the backwards uh, compatible. Oh yeah, uh, with the backwards mm-hmm. compatible drive, and then like it, I think what it had Four the highest USB. failure rate out of all of them, but it also had like a decent yeah, hard drive to store all your stuff. I had like three PS3s die on me at yeah. different times and uh that yellow light of death man the thing was real yeah. you know i just wish they continued production of that first run because i love the whole backwards compatibility thing without having to rebuy the games you own on the digital mm-hmm. store but yeah you know what's hitting me right now what 
the feeling of getting too old. Oh my god, like PS3, I remember when that came out. I remember I remember going to your place, Skirbo, your dorm, and playing Dark Souls for the first, no, Demon, Demon Souls, Souls for the first time Demon. in my life, and then suddenly that became, that was like an entire new era of my life. That's crazy that it's over now. That's like that's nearly that's a decade like, ago. I don't even remember how I like, learned about it. Way Demon to remind Souls. him. <laughs> it's just crazy. Yeah. But guys, shouldn't we feel lucky that all of those wonderful games live on in their HD remasters that we have to pay for again? <laughs> uh, that's true. Yeah, so lucky. Oh my gosh. I'm pretty sure you could buy Demon's Souls on the PS4 in the store right now if you wanted it. I don't know. Anyway. But I know that they're re-releasing Wipeout HD this month, and I'm so freaking stoked about that. And... What, just me? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, on to the next one. So, uh, this was a topic that Frank shared with me earlier today, so if you want to speak on it a little bit more, um, much appreciated. But Square was doing an interview with, uh, remind me of the website? I'm going to actually look it up now because I can't remember off the top of my head. Okay. Uh, You sent the link from Keen Gamer, but... Yeah, that's probably it then. Yeah. Uh, Anywho, in the nature of the review, they were basically discussing uh, what their future like content strategy is going to look like how how their you know release of games is going to be doled out over the next few years um and they were specifically commenting on the idea of games as a service so uh you know episodic games paying for the same game over time kind of thing um specifically in reference to stuff like the final fantasy 7 remake and uh you know future iterations of like the dragon quest yes or uh, dragon warrior so- series so, yep. Frank, do you want so, to give us a bit more info? Yeah, sure. So Shane was right. It was from KeenGamer.com. Mm-hmm. And the headline for the article was Square Enix has, quote-unquote, aggressive plans for the West. Um, and it's aggressive. pretty much what you said. They're going to aggressively roll out their both like uh, their catalog out to Western markets going forward uh, with like multi-platform utilization. And that's all great because I do like a lot of Square Enix's backlog or back catalog. And I love a lot of their older games. But the part that really stood out to me was what you were sort of talking about before, where they want to generate games where with uh, continuing revenue streams for the future. And the quote from the website is as follows. Titles that have become global hits recently have tended to be offered via the quote-unquote games-as-a-service model. And we believe this is going to be the mainstream model for gaming in the future. In developing future titles, we will approach game design with a mind to generate recurring revenue streams. To me, this reads like, we're going to have more games that are episodic with a lot more microtransactions and a lot more DLC so you can give us way more money. Yeah. yeah. And that doesn't really... I hate that. Yeah. I, it's, I it's... hate that. See, this is... See... Go ahead, Shane. Well, uh, I guess I was just... The first examples of this are already kind of evident with... Final Fantasy 15, where they've already got Episode Gladiolus out, they've got uh, Episode Prompto on the way, there's obviously going to be an Episode Ignis, and then they've talked about having a four-player co-op DLC, and on top of that, they just put out... Yeah. And on top of that, they put out a survey saying, what what kind of content would you also like to see put into the game in the future? And so, I just... Anyway, uh, a couple of those choices are like, "No, no. But there's a lot of really cool uh, options there. And I guess what I'm trying to say is that with Final Fantasy XV as a, an example or, or setting the stage for maybe what they're talking about, hopefully closer to what they're talking about, it's definitely DLC, like you were mentioning. 
which is that any better? Uh, but it is. Um, it it seems that they're going to be continually supporting one particular title. So instead of seeing Final Fantasy 15 2 and Final Fantasy 15 Noctis Returns, we'll just have Final Fantasy 15 with a shitload of DLC. Okay, yeah. cool. But counterpoint to that, mm -hmm. um, Deus Ex Mankind Divided, game that was specifically made for a single-player audience where this publisher has set in and said... We're going to drop the ending. We're going to repackage that as downloadable content for anybody who buys the day one edition. And we're going to sell that separately. On top of that, we're going to have microtransactions in the single player game. On top of that, we're going to have a tacked on sort of uh, the meaningless, uh, it's not multiplayer, but you know that side mission thing you do for the extra credits yeah, or whatever, rich. that thing. Yeah, and on top of that, we're also going to do a whole bullshit augment your pre-order campaign <laughs> so that you can get all your friends to pre-order, build it up the same way that crowdfunding tier goals are set up, so we can rake in as much money as we can before we release anything out of the game other than the title. Damn. Well, I think, sure. I think the thing here is, like, there are right and wrong ways of doing this, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Like, on the one hand, and I'm not making excuses for anybody, but on the yeah. one hand, games are getting more expensive to make, you know what I mean? Like, they're requiring huge AAA's teams on. with dozens and dozens and dozens of people. And all that marketing, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, marketing that, budgets that don't pay for themselves. But it's like, in order for them to sustain these massively huge games, which just seem to continue to scale with the years, um, they need a way to make their money back. And I feel like games like Final Fantasy XV make sense, because, like, you know, I, I bought that game, you know, when it first came out. I played through it. I had a totally fulfilling, full experience with it. And I could understand that there are going to be the super fans that want to play more, that want to do all this extra DLC and stuff. But, like... That's purely additional, you know what I mean? That's not yeah. something that I feel like I need to necessarily they play. They make the pie yeah. and then cut out pieces of the pie saying that in order to buy this entire pie, you need to pay, you know, market value $60. And then on top of that, for these extra pieces, yeah, you're going to have to buy those two for another additional yeah. like 10, yeah. 15, 20 bucks. I mean, some parts of the story were... True that. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. How did I forget that? <laughs> yeah. So, but, so like, I mean... the. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to to gauge up, but I mean, I think that is a better way of doing it. I honestly think that Hitman, um, the most recent Hitman, two thousand sixteen oh, yeah, or whatever, new yeah, I thought that was awesome. Like, yeah. I thought that was a really great way of doling it out because, uh, again, it like gave you chunks of the game and allowed you to sort of digest different levels and um and different targets over a course of time and the best part about that is that they were all consistently good yeah. you know what i mean and it didn't ask you for your 60 dollars up front you could pay 60 dollars up front and then wait for all the episodes to come out or you're paying like whatever it was like 10 15 bucks a pop each time one of them came out so it's like kind of play as you go you know what i mean yeah so wait. and i didn't really i didn't really hate the whole episodic release with hitman too much i think they went into that development for the wrong reasons um because Hitman at its core has always been a game of replayability. Every Hitman game before that was a matter of play, keep playing the level over and over again. Find all the different ways you can kill your targets. Get a better ranking than you did last time. Sure, sure. So I think it was just that was more of a cash-in into, like a cynical cash-in into the popularity of episodic content that was made, you know, popular by Telltale games especially. With yeah. we're, we're working on the whole thing, we'll give you a piece of it now, and then you can go back and play the rest as it comes out. 
I think particularly, but, particularly with uh, lots of Square Enix's title, like per se with Final Fantasy VII Remake going episodic, I feel like that's the only way we'll ever see some of these games come out. Would, yeah, I especially if they're coming out of Square Enix. a bit out of time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but God. like even then, like how I don't know if episodic release for a game like Final Fantasy VII is something you you know that's needed. However, I mean, I can't really speak on behalf of like whether or not that's going to be a good idea. I mean, of course, I would rather have a sixty dollars straight up start to finish Final Fantasy VII remake, right? But mm-hmm. yeah. if what they're saying is true, where you're getting a full game, but in chapter modes, right? And it feels like a full game until you get to the end, where it's like, kind of like, you know, in, in Star Wars, those highs and those lows, and how, like, people use it as, like, a case study for, like, climax, and then it goes back down, and then climax, and, you know, so on and so forth. If they do that properly, where it does feel like each of these chapters feel like a real full hour, like, I would be okay with, like, a 40-hour experience. Yeah, I, I might be okay with that, especially since like Final Fantasy VII itself was originally what sixty, seventy hours total, and well, yeah, and, and I totally and, agree. And the best part about it is, I feel like for those of us that have played Final Fantasy VII and know how the beats of that story go, they can absolutely you know create those peaks and valleys. Like there are massive things that peaks happen valleys, ju- yes. just in Midgar. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you think about just what happens in Midgar, like that literally could be a movie just on its own. Which you know what I mean? Is probably going to be episode 1, honestly. Yeah, for the sure. The bike scene and but, the final boss. But blast. then after that then you have like Junin and you have Nib- uh, Nibelheim or whatever. Nibelheim? Yeah. Um like there there's all these different uh like sections of it and I think because we have thought of it as this one totally like rounded PS1 open world experience or whatever, that's sort of like the lens that most of us are thinking like that's what this game is. But it's like, n- like no, if you turn it into this big dramatic, you know, uh, like series of events, like literally look at it as like a multi part movie. I think that could work really, really well. Yeah. But if and it, if it's you know to to what Justin was saying before, if that's the only way that we're realistically going to see a game like this. So be it. You know what I mean. It's like if I had my if I had my definition of like a sixty dollar value, and they met that sixty dollar value with the first chapter, then I should be okay with that, right? And then the second chapter, another sixty dollar value. Although I'm not sure if it's going to be like DLC twenty dollars esque. But what I'm saying is like if they did end up building out the entire three discs, you know, of Final Fantasy VII originally and then remade it and they only sold it for $60, I can understand why they might feel a little cheated in a way, you know? Mm-hmm. If, especially if they, like, put in so much of this effort and soul into this game, and like then it re- ends up being, like, another 130-hour game. Yeah, like rebuilding it from the ground up. Right, exactly, and if they're doing that, then yeah. maybe it's uh, maybe it's not such a bad idea. Of course, but the, right off the... Much- I think I think Sorry. Frank's right, though. There's, there's a lot of the, like, that we've seen... Or examples from Square Enix as well of this, and namely with what you were saying with Mankind Divided. Yeah. Um, I guess it's just we've seen from Square Enix a couple of approaches to this. Now it's just waiting to, like, biting our nails, waiting to see which they actually stick with to, to go forward if it's going to be, like, more poisonous or if it's yeah. going to be trying to offer content in a better way. Yeah. So, like, and I, I'm, not, I'm not putting it to them to offer content in a better way. I'm honestly curious. Like, we've seen Final Fantasy VII work as a continuous role-playing game from start to finish. I don't understand why that game would need to be rebranded to be episodic other than A, to encourage people to play it in chunks, which means that you're telling them how they can consume the game that they buy instead of you playing however much you want, you're sort of at this, like, 
artificial wall saying, well, you've hit your time limit, now you got to wait until next time However, play the further content. The contrary. Or be, sorry, go on, keep going, sorry. Or, like, and the other point is, like, how much, on a financial level. Right. I mean, well, so... How much are they... Sorry, go on. No, no, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I mean, well, to the other side of that is if they do have the plan of doing an episodic release, which they do, right? Yeah. Does this beget a better $60 value out of like each of those episodes versus if they only expected to have each person like throw in 60 bucks for the entirety of Final Fantasy VII? Would they spend as much time and effort into building the entire game? Would that entire game be as good as its episodic pieces is what I'm I think if saying. you're a juggernaut in the industry the way Square Enix is, the answer to that is yes, because you have the resources, you have the pedigree, and you have the fan loyalty to see that through. It's a matter of do you want to build up that uh, level of credibility, not credibility, but um, um, like... Consumer uh, loyalty? or Consumer loyalty, consumer... Uh, I can't remember the word for it now, but the trust in the Friend company loyalty? to not... Friend loyalty, yeah. Yeah, brand loyalty. I guess brand loyalty works. Like, do you want to build that up? Because I honestly am now curious, given to how successful Hitman 2016 was, are we going to see something similar to, like, the elusive contracts in Final Fantasy VII in order to encourage people to buy it day one rather than waiting for all the episodes to come out and buy it as a complete package and withhold content that not everybody will ever have a chance to play. I agree. Yeah, I mean, that is that is a dirty tactic, and we can only hope that that's not the case. Yeah. I feel like they probably know that in the case of Final Fantasy VII, that shit's just going to print money. They're, they yeah. don't, they oh, yeah, don't have to sell yeah, that no. game, you know what I mean? And so, and that's my point. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter... Like, they, they don't have to make it episodic. It will fly off the shelves so long as they stock it. And in a digital age, you'll never run out of stock. Yeah. I guess well, so I, I, I think the know, main reason, and I could be it's, wrong it's here. It's squeezing money out of people as far as I see it. See, and I, 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 I don't want to be so blunt in saying that, but I'm sorry, that's how I'm seeing it. I and... think in, in the case of Final Fantasy VII, and I, I remember reading or uh, listening to an interview about this specifically, the, from my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, it, the reason why they're making it episodic is because it would take too long and too much manpower and cost them too much money to complete the entire remake of the entire game before releasing it. So it's like, yeah. if they if they can make up to a certain point and put the man hours in time and spend the money that it's going to cost them to make that section of it, and then release it and have it be a complete, and I'm using air quotes here, yeah. a complete experience, then they that that is how they're going to be able to fund the subsequent chapters rather than investing however many tens of millions of dollars it's reasonably going to cost them yeah. to make the whole thing from end to end and then release it all at once and hoping that they make their money back. Yeah. And for perspective, yeah. like a Final Fantasy XV, that took them 10 years to make and it's not even really the game that they set out to But I make. feel like that was also because there was crazy changes in, like, directors and, like, you know, yeah, that's, and direction in, in general. And that's I feel, 100% true. And I feel like originally of, they were yeah. like, we're going to go this route, and then suddenly they were like, wait, we shouldn't. And then they had to backtrack at least by, like, 50% of their original, like, project progression. But, like... Yeah, but I'm, with Final I'm Fantasy saying... VII, you already have the plot lined out. You know how it starts, you know how it ends, you know what those peaks and valleys are. Yeah, like, I agree. Have, The game's already written. It's just a matter of making it better i'm not yeah. i don't mean to trivialize it because it's immense amount of work like i don't want to understate no that. no i completely agree i have a lot of appreciation for the amount of work that goes into making games but yeah. at the same time i can't help but feel like 
a lot of the groundwork is already there if you're just remastering or remaking a game. I mean, and I don't mean to throw just out anything there, but... anything that hints towards taking more money out of your wallet never feels good. But no. at the same time, yeah. like there's also the other side of the spectrum, which is like, well, maybe the given the the amount of time and the amount of money that they they think they should be getting off of these yeah. games, maybe it means just a better experience. Who knows? Maybe. I I, I want to believe that, but uh, it doesn't also mean that I'm going to be happy about spending more money. Absolutely. Yeah, like yeah. like I I want to be clear that like I certainly don't think that all game developers have the most altruistic. You know, yeah. um, no. the most altruistic uh, motives behind, yeah. yeah, behind when they're making games. But I feel like we can only we can only hope that they're making the best decisions possible with the funds and the time and you know how they think the market's going to react to what they're doing. Yeah. I like I can almost guarantee you that after uh, Deus Ex came out, they saw and heard and felt the repercussions of yeah. them. You know choosing a less than popular monetization style for that game and it's probably yeah. going to influence them doing or not doing something like that again in the future you know what i mean the real question well, they already is... did drop that augment your thing your augment your yeah, yeah exactly you know what anyway I mean? so they, yeah that already speaks to it but but they might again, see I... something like final fantasy 15 and say hey that game sold really well at the jump and it's because we gave them a whole complete experience and hey yeah. we're also still making some money on the tail end because we've still got people buying up this dlc you know yeah and i hope you're right i hope i so hope that i'm wrong about it but it's just sort of my take and, and the real question yeah. is should we wait till all the episodes are out and then play the game completely through straight? No. Or get... yeah, I know. No, no. It's gonna be gonna like a five that. a five year wait per episode. Yeah, and let's let's marathon all the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings films while hey. we're at it. It's Final Fantasy <laughs> Seven. I, I didn't want to do that for Lord of the Rings, but I'll do that for Final Fantasy Seven. <laughs> I did that in university. I picked a weekend and I just watched all the director's cut Lord of the Rings back to back. Oh, what a loser! I, I, <laughs> you know, I, I joke, but I'd be happily willing to do that too. So it's fun, right? Yeah, great movies. Anyway, <laughs> so all right, I think it is time, everyone, to move on to our true gaming topic of the week. Bum, bum, true bow. gaming topic of the week. Nice. Oh my god. Okay. Nice. This week's true gaming topic of the week comes from Reddit user QAZW something something something. It is just a gaggle of letters. That literally looks like somebody smashed their hand against the keyboard. Yeah. This Smash user. Uh, basically his statement is saying completionism is the wrong mentality to take in every game that we play. Uh, specifically in his question, he cites that reviewers nowadays find uh, are saying that in order for them to create a reasonable review or a reasonable impression of what a game looks or feels like, they need to you know have that game uh, like reach that game's ultimate completion. Specifically, setting games like Overwatch and Breath of the Wild as two examples where the com like to one hundred percent complete those games is kind of impossible. Um, ah, it's not I, possible. <laughs> I I think we can take this in a bit more broad strokes and just saying like you know is you know how how do you guys approach completionism in games, especially now in an environment where you know a new fantastic game seems to come out every other week you know what i mean um, so yeah go on uh, shane how do uh, you feel about completing games my approach is to play a game through one fulfilling playthrough 
And my own impression of what fulfilling is, is what kind of content I want to complete. If there are side quests that I feel invested enough to want to complete, or if I feel that I'm close enough to completing all the side content that I want to complete it, then Sing I'm going it, to Shane. go ahead and complete it. Sing it. <laughs> Sing it. <laughs> Absolutely. I completely agree with that. Um, sorry, I was going to say, my follow-up question to that be, are you asking how I approach that as a reviewer or how do, or if I, how do I approach that as a consumer? Because uh, I have two different answers, I think. I also have two different answers from that perspective. Let, so we've all reviewed a game before. Why don't we first talk about, uh, talk about it from a critic's perspective and then uh, second, talk about it from a consumer perspective. I feel like a lot of these can be tied, but I feel like there's a little bit of a difference here. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll, ki- I'll kick it off. So personally, yeah. like when it comes to reviewing a title, I'm of the mind that you do not need to complete a game in order to get a uh, a full impression of it, or to help you know um, to help basically like give a recommendation. You know what I mean? Um, I think getting to like playing a game until you reach it, reach its logical conclusion with you. Uh, maybe that's the actual end of the game. Maybe that's ten hours in it. Maybe that's you know what whatever it may be. I think once you have a completely reasonable understanding of all of the game's mechanics and what the game truly has to offer, I think that provides you with a good perspective to base a recommendation on. I think it depends on the game, but go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it does absolutely depend on the game. Like, I would not say that it's necessary to complete a JRPG to, you know, pose a recommendation for it. Um, I, I think there's an inherent moment where you're like, I'm having fun, or I'm not having fun. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, um, And, I mean, reasonably, like, part of, part of where I get this mentality from is, like, you know, if you look at the vast majority of gamers and like the the easiest uh comparison that i have for something like this is just like trophy percentages and stuff like the vast majority of people that play games do not beat them you know yeah. what i mean so it's actually you... kind of shocking that most games aren't finished yeah right so it's like when when i think about recommending a game to somebody like i have not beaten persona yet but I probably could have given a full synopsis of what the persona experience is going to be like by our like 20 you know what i mean Mm -hmm. because at that stage you're you already sort of know the rhythm of the game you know kind of what the you know what the gameplay loop looks like how you're going to be deriving fun out of it what like the story you know beats are going to be and how it's it's like beats or how it's going to tell itself it's like dating right it's like after your first few dates you know whether or not you're feeling it or not and you don't necessarily need to marry the person in order to say this person's not right for me or is right for me you know you know after like the first few you don't have to yeah. worry about the entire game yeah but in, in that same sense like to draw an example um let's say we happy fuse beginning was even longer than five minutes let's say it was 10 hours of that kind of gameplay or or that impression of what the game was like and then became with the game i am playing now yeah like, then I might have thought I had a certain impression of the game. Or maybe I'm, I'm 10 hours in and uh, two of those hours I just started to get into these this new kind of environment. It would affect what I think of the game. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Because then, then at that point you start... Sorry, I thought you were finished. 
No, sorry. Go for, go for uh, it. At, at, at that point, I would think that you've now come to a conclusion on the pacing of the game and whether it works for the title or for it doesn't. See, like, overall, I fall in Sturville's camp in this. I think that for most games, you do not have to complete them. And I say complete loosely, because when I say complete, I don't mean, like, I don't want to speak for you, Scarborough, but I don't mean, like, finish, like, every single achievement and get all the trophies, like, the way I know you do. For me, completing a game means finishing its main story or finishing its main story and enough side content, the way Shane said it, to feel satisfied. Yeah. For some games, like, for instance, for my Mass Effect Andromeda review, I put 20 hours into it that was split between single-player story and to a lesser extent, not evenly split, but a number of multiplayer matches as well. And yeah. I felt that I had played enough to give me a rounded perspective of the game. Totally. Now playing 70, 69 hours into it and finishing the game, the majority of the side content and the main story, I don't think my impression has changed all that much. Honestly. Yeah. Um, by the same token, if I'm playing something like a very... Like, by the same token, when I played um, Torment Tides of Numenera, I went out of my way to finish that entire game and as much side content as I possibly could in roughly the same amount of time to play that story from beginning to end. Yeah. And which further sort of rounded my opinion of it. But once you, I think, get a handle on the mechanics, you get a handle on, on the narrative, and you can sort of see what direction the game is going, you don't need to know how the story ends in order to say, would you recommend it thus far? Yeah, or I mean, would you not recommend it thus thus far? I would completely agree with that. I mean, to a certain extent, like I think. So I'm even taking something like Persona again into example, and I'm sorry, that's just like sort of the freshest thing that's on my mind. But it's like, you know, as I was telling you guys earlier, like I very recently hit a point where I'm just like, holy shit, am I, am I going to finish this game? You know what I mean? And part of me is. You know, you would think that if I got to this point in the game before the review, I would mention something to the effect of, you know, the the game overstays its welcome or something like this. Yeah. But, like, I really don't think that that would be a fair, um, a fair judgment for it because everything that I would have said in my review and everything that I have said about the game previously up to this point is still 100% true. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the, those impressions definitely carry over it and it are exactly what I would tell someone if they were like, hey, I'm thinking about buying this game, should I buy it or not? Like, I would still give them that same advice. I would probably exclude the... Well, maybe not exclude, but, like, I would downplay, like, yeah, you know, this... Like, I'm getting to this point at the end of the game, but... You're forewarned that it's, like, a long game. game. Yeah, it's like, it's like that's like, just what this style of game is. It's like, if, if I were to say, like, oh, you should go play this Tales of game, like... Yeah. There are like certain the caveat that you know expect this. Yeah, like there are certain implications of what kind of game that is. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of that stuff is implied, and I think with my review style in particular, I try, I I don't try to like I I look at my like readers or, or potential audience as people that know about games. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't I don't want to like have to. I don't think that I have to explain to somebody exactly the every single in and out of the game. I think, you know, most people reading our reviews have a general understanding of games and would understand, like, oh, this is a JRPG. I know kind of what a JRPG looks like in the yeah. long and the short of it, so... Yeah, what's you know, special about this one? Exactly, yeah. and, like, yeah, I think the review points that I bring up definitely speak to those things. 
Yeah, and I'm in the same kind of situation as you. I don't go out of my way to sort of explain the ins and outs of the genre. Uh, I work with like prior understanding and say, what works about this? What doesn't work about this? How does it sort of fit into other games of its ilk? Yeah. And what, what, what are its own merits that it stands on? I mean, okay, I, I agree with that. Go ahead, Chad. But if we were to bring it back to the idea of like a completionism, right? And completionism is the wrong way or the wrong mentality to take into every game. I mean, the, the question itself, if you were to break it down, it's kind of, uh, it's very, like, I want to say biased. It's, like, very depends-y, you know what I mean? It's, like, it's, like, depend. I know, it's a, that's a diaper. We're going I understand. We're going I understand. But at we the same time, yeah, uh, what I'm trying to say is, like, essentially, like, when it says, like, every game, obviously you're not supposed to take that into consideration for every game, but I think what the question is really asking is, like, what's your, uh, Oh, thank you. What's your, um, what's your, <laughs> I'm sorry, guys, uh, Justin just came back into the room to get water, but then he got me this, uh, super Japanese, one of those, Ramune, Ramune, uh, like, bubbly waters, sweet waters? It's soda. Yo, this got carbs in it, I can't have that. It's also got about 45 grams of sugar. <laughs> yeah, I know. Anyway, what I was saying, guys, before I was interrupted was, um, Yes, so, like, the definition of, like, a complete or a completionism doesn't always have to be wrapped around the idea about, like, 100%ing every single achievement that the developers put in front of you, but rather, like, could completionism be at the point of which, as Shane said it, the reason why I said preach it, is because is completionism just the uh, the idea behind, like, your fulfillment at the point of which you're, you're fulfilled and then you stop the game versus, like, not being fulfilled and then stopping the game? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, for instance, I, Zelda. When I played Zelda for over 180 80 hours, my God, you're right, 180 hours. Uh, I did every freaking shrine, and the reason for it is because I wanted more. And at that point, I would say like I got pretty close to the whole completionist idea of what a definition of completionism is. But uh, my completionism was doing that, and then riding into an epic battle with Ganon, and uh, that was my that was my experience. I'm good. That was, See, but that's yeah, that's absolutely. exactly why I sort of asked the question that I did. How do you are you asking as a critic or as a consumer? Because as a consumer, I agree with your take on it, and I agree with Shane's take on it. For me, I go into the game with the mentality that I want to complete it, um, because I'm that kind of a person. I want to finish the main campaign, and I want to finish enough side uh, side stuff that I feel, okay, I'm good. I can't do side quests anymore. I want to finish the main story, and then I could shell this one and move on. Yeah. Because yeah. I never, ever pick up a game and think, I want to play it for a bit and then never touch it again. Every game I buy is always like, I want to get the absolute most I can out of this. And because I tend to play a lot of narratively driven games, for me, that finishes. Or that means finishing the story at the least. I know yeah. for me... Um, when I'm writing a review, I'm writing a recommendation for fellow consumers. So I like to try and make my impressions as close to the experience a fellow consumer is going to have. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I I do personally make it an objective of mine to as best as possible complete and when I say complete I mean a playthrough. Not not like if I, if I were reviewing Zelda, I would not be finishing every sh uh, shrine before reviewing. I would right. eat Ganon before reviewing it yeah. and if i miss stuff i miss stuff that's okay i yeah. I've, I've got my complete experience but that's how i tackle it yeah so I, so what about as a consumer like or so that's just like how you experience games like top like in general mm -hmm. in general 
more or less, except for if there's like the exception of like, oh my god, I love this game so much, then it's gonna get a platinum trophy. But yeah. except Resident Evil Seven, Shane, where's your where's your hey. Resident Evil Seven platinum, Shane? <laughs> it's it's waiting. It's in a it's in it's in a time loop. Oh okay. Waiting. Oh okay. I got Persona. 5. I've I've got a I've got a spot dusted off right next to my platinum in Resident Evil Seven for you once you get it. But you know. Oh man. <laughs> are you planning on there? Are you planning on platinuming, uh, platinuming Persona? Persona Five? Fuck no! Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> see, they, see, here's the thing. Like playthrough two is supposed to be a lot faster. Like it's supposed to be like forty to sixty hours. Like as a consumer, oh, I truly, I truly enjoy like meeting like meeting every challenge of a game if i really really like it like if i it's kind of weird like i i kind of take my online gaming credibility probably a little bit too seriously so like when i see when i see a game that i'm like very heavily interested in or i want to be known as good in like i do my absolute best to complete every single challenge to do all this sort of stuff to not only have like the credibility of saying yeah i know this game fucking up di- up down and sideways but also to be like you know to feel like i've i've hit the absolute peak of enjoyment from it you know what i mean which is why games like resident evil 7 i've i've got the platinum for something like final fantasy 15 i got the platinum for all that sort of stuff um, one trophy away for 15 yeah the uh the uh, adamantois Yep. It's a bitch of a trophy, but it's it's not it's not hard, it's just annoying. Mm-hmm. Um but but, but so he, here's the one thing though, the one difference though is while I do enjoy getting my 100% trophies and achievements in certain games, almost any game, and I'm talking like literally every single game on my shelf, I actually have a very severe sense of guilt if I don't finish it. It's like it's very weird. Like there are a, there are very few games that I haven't completed that I started, but the ones that I haven't been able to reach that endpoint in, it like truly, truly bothers me. I have no remorse for games that lose me midway. I feel that sentiment. Bravely second well, was definitely one of them. Well, see, it's... that's the thing. Like, if if a game's bad, I'm not gonna play a bad game for the sake of playing it. But it's like uh, it's starting something like Persona Five. Like, I feel like I got to a point in Persona Five where I'm trudging. You know what I mean? Mm. But like, it would truly affect me if I didn't finish that game. Oh you yeah. Well, I mean? I mean, that's different because I feel like the game. Uh, you just gotta beat you. Persona Five is difficult to say. Like, yeah. you, you're you enjoyed it for such a long time, and I feel like the investment is there at this point. The cost. Uh, the which we call it, the uh, opportunity no not opportunity cost the sunk cost that you've yeah of hours that you've literally you know thrown at the screen yeah screaming at you saying like man if you don't finish this game what a shame you yeah know? well it's something like that it's something like like a game like Neo right like Neo I was thoroughly enjoying and I literally only stopped playing that because another game came along so it's like that I feel like I want to beat um so still so then to tie into his question is that the wrong approach to take with a game. Or do you just feel that it's what works for you and it, only you, and not for everybody? I think that I, I don't know. I think it's a deeply like personal that's, that's, thing. I think yeah. in the realm of critique, yeah, I, almost... I think in the realm of critique, there are different schools of thought. You know, we all shared yeah. ours. But I think when it comes to like you know how to appropriately enjoy the game, uh, you know, I, I think it's it's totally that's... subjective. You know what I mean? I I think I don't... a rule of thumb for everybody would lean on what Shane and uh, and Justin were saying, where it's like 
you know, play a game up until the point where you're not enjoying it anymore. If you're not enjoying a game, then don't waste your time. There's too yeah. many good games to, to waste time on, you know? Like, yeah, like, I don't think there's a right or wrong way to consume a game as much as you want to consume, consume it. Yeah. yeah. Except for, like, me when I was playing Dark Souls 3, and I got pretty, like, fairly far into it, and I loved it, and then I just stopped playing it because something else rolled around. And yeah. now I'm kind of like looking at the icon on my desktop, thinking, "Man, I really want to make some time to go back into that one." Yeah, See, that's I was the guilt. really enjoying that game. Like that guilt that you're talking about right there—that's what like really See, sits not, with me. It's not guilt for me. It's more like a lamentation. Like I, I just want—not lamentation. That's, is that? Yeah, that yeah. Is you're lamenting the time. Yeah, you yeah, haven't... yeah. Sorry, I was thinking of that Conan line. Hear the lamentations of their women. That thing. I'm like, that's certainly. Not <laughs> I think what those I are. That's I think those are two different words. Yeah. But okay. yeah. yeah. But anyway, um, I'm looking at the icon thinking, man, I really want to go back and, like, force myself, not force myself, but, like, finish that game because I was really liking it, but, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Huh. Alright, guys, well, I think we've been, uh, we've gone for well over an hour at this point. Um, I want to uh, wrap up this podcast first by thanking our sponsor again, audibletrial.com slash TZR, where you can start your free 15-day trial of Audible and download free audiobooks and listen to all that awesome stuff. Uh, I want to thank all of our listeners for hanging out with us tonight. Uh, and know that you can download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, and any podcasting services across the web every single Wednesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. If you want to join our podcast live, you can join our Discord channel at discord.gg slash tzr um, at 8 p.m. on Wednesdays to hear us and chat with us in real time and do all that fun stuff. Uh, and then you can also reach us on all of our social platforms. You can check us out on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash review, And check out thezerereview.com for all of our news and reviews. Yeah, and if you join us next week, we uh, are planning on doing some special things, slightly different than what we usually do on our uh, podcasts. Um, one of being, we might actually have a guest speaker. Guest speaker! Guest speaker! Next week. Guest speaker! Uh, right now, it's currently, potentially, uh, this guy named Andrew Sampson, who is the CEO and founder of a company called Rainway, which I'm not sure if you've heard of it yet, but it's the app that's going to allow you to stream your PC games at 60 frames per second on your Nintendo Switch and any other ah. compatible devices. So, he's going to be joining us next week. Um, so, listen in and uh, tag us and hit us up with any questions if you want to ask him anything in particular. Could we maybe have some giveaways next week? Uh, possibly. We are also thinking about doing giveaway codes every week, every podcast, potentially one or two depending on. Uh, just to divide up some of the sections and also give away some sweet prizes because we do get a lot of codes and of which we're supposed to be giving away but we haven't figured out how to give them away yet so now we're gonna just throw them on the podcast yeah so join us live to be the first ones to you know get get your hands on these sweet codes or download and listen in as soon as they come up on iTunes and Stitcher and all that good stuff and uh, then we're just gonna give it away give it away give it away now wow. yes, yes we will <laughs> Frank. Um, <laughs> so I want to thank our listeners again for joining us. If you have any questions for the TZR or for the podcast, you can reach us at podcast at the zero review dot com. Uh, and yeah, join us next week on episode eighty three of the podcast, which will probably be a pre E three. Yeah, you know, I'm actually really uh, excited for that one. Predictions one. More predictions. Oh man! And you can look forward to our coverage at E three, where uh, Shane, Justin, myself as well as a few other friends, will be out in L.A. at E3. Liz is going to be there, too. Liz, Liz will uh, be there. Liz Lysui. 
Should be pretty cool. I thought I wasn't going to make it, guys. I thought I wasn't going to make it. No. Turns out I can make it. I'll drive you to LA if I have to. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, well, thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye, Bye.